0: children may be dismissed at this time. Well, fatherhood is um, really quite an amazing thing. It's um, it's an incredible blessing in so many ways. Even in the difficult times, there's still joy to be found. Um, i reminded of the story that I heard uh, a few years ago and Three fathers or fathers to be are in the waiting room, and this was back in the days when you know the fathers didn't go into the delivery room; they waited outside to hear the message of what had happened inside the way, the uh, delivery room. And and so these fathers are outside; and they're gathered and they're anxious and they're waiting. And so the nurse comes out to the first father and says, "Hey," he said, says, "Listen," said you had twins. Oh man, so excited! He said, "That's amazing." And they said, yeah, that's incredible. And he goes, it's really kind of uncanny. He said, I play for the Minnesota Twins. And I had twins. That's really cool. And they said, yeah. And so they were all excited. Everything was good. And the next nurse comes out. And the guy's there. And he stands up. And she says, listen. She said, we're so excited to tell you you had triplets. Triplets. Man, that's amazing. That's incredible. He says, and really kind of uncanny like you. He said, I work for the 3M company. And I had triplets. That's amazing, you know. And so the other guy's over in the corner. And, man, you can tell he's getting really nervous. He turns kind of pale. And and he just doesn't know what to do. And I said, man, what's wrong? What's wrong? He goes, I drive drive a delivery truck for 7-Up. So, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. You know, it could be be challenging to be a parent. 7-Up. So, man, growing up, I had... uh, I had a great dad. Uh, He was dependable. Always, always there. It, It didn't seem to matter what was going on. He was a part of every life event that I can remember. If he wasn't coaching what sport I was playing, he was at every game. Oftentimes, he was at many practices There there are very few memories that I have of my youth that do not include him. He was always the one to lead us to church. He was very involved in every aspect of the church. Um, I joke about it often that, you know, when I was young, I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. They drug me to church every Wednesday night. All the time, we were in church. It didn't matter what was going on. My dad was faithful to the Lord, he was faithful to his family, and he was a good, good father. Still is to this day, 91 years old, and, uh, and he's still a good, good father. And I'm so thankful for that. I know there are others that don't have that kind of story. In fact, they, they have a very different story in their life. I know there are those that, that maybe don't even know who their father truly is. And there are challenges and difficulties, but, but having a father that is the kind of father that God intended fathers to be is such a blessing in life. Our society is moving more and more away from the role of the father. Uh, they've been trying to de-gender identify us for some time now, and, uh, and they, uh, they not even, you know, uh, any longer want us to have men and women. Boys and girls, they want us to just to be individuals. In fact, just the other day I heard a new term that I'd never heard before on the news. It was talking about a a mother who had given birth to a child, and they don't want us to call them mothers anymore. They want us to call them the birth individual. The birth individual. So, okay, so then then I can't even begin to imagine what they want us to call the fathers or the men. Men I don't know, you know, the birth individual. But we're moving away from that and and no longer mothers and and fathers and and no longer identifying who we are. I, I don't know where we're headed or why we're headed down that road. But here's one thing that I do know. Children need a strong, dependable father figure in their life who is a role model for them of a biblical father of what God intended fathers to be. And we need that in the worst kind of way in our world today. We need role model fathers. And so I thought this morning that we would take a moment and look at a role model father. I want us to look at the model father in God's Word this morning. I want to build on Aaron's communion thought this morning. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, there is a a great story... that is recorded there of a model father. Let's read that story together, if you would, beginning at verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate that falls to me. And he delivered his wealth, divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Boy, it can be all kinds of things read into that. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And as he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving giving anything to him, but when he came to his senses, boy, senses, that's an important word, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough to eat, more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he's been found. And they began to be merry. Now we're going to stop right there. There's a little more to the story. And we'll finish that in in just a little bit. But as we look at this today, we look at a model model. Father. A father that, uh, that gives us a great example of what it is to be a father. I know we often we hear this story and we read this story as referred to as the story of the prodigal son. But the reality is it is a story of a model father. And there are three things that I want us to learn from this father today. The first one is this, is he is a prepared provider. A model father is a father who is a prepared provider. We begin to look at the story as it unfolds in the events that are happening. And the first thing is, we know that he had prepared an inheritance. That there was something of value for his children and their future. His youngest son comes to him and says, Father, whatever portion of the family uh, fortune is mine, I want it now. Now there's all kinds of things that people say about that. That reality is the son was saying to the father, Father, I wish you were dead. You don't know we know that in order for an inheritance to pass today, there has to be a death, and, uh, and, and that was the same in that day. But reality is this, whether the son was saying that or not, the father had provided for the family, he had prepared for their future, he had done what he should do as a father. And the son came to him and said, "I want my part of the inheritance, and we know how the story unfolds. But there's more to that prepared provider. When you think about, the son's been gone, and when he comes back home, what does the father say? The father says, "Hey, go get a ring. Go get sandals, go get a robe. Go kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate still providing, still preparing for the future, for the family, and even for this son who's been wandering in his own way in life. He goes and talks to the eldest son and the rest of the story in just a moment. And we know that there's some issues going on there. And he says, listen, you never gave me a fat kid for me to celebrate with my friends. Why in the world are you doing with him? And he said, listen, everything that I have belongs to you. Prepared provider. He was providing for the future for his family and a biblical father is called to provide for the future of his family. He is provide for them in material things as well as spiritual things. He's provide for them in the things of life in love and understanding and support and we see that throughout the story, but also moral values and kindness. Biblical father is a prepared provider for his family second thing I wants to see is this. He is a patient parent. He is a patient parent. Think about this youngest son. He comes to him and says, I, I want what's mine, what's coming to me, and I'm out of here. Now think about think how easy it would be to get angry. Think how easy it would be to get upset. Think how easy it would be to say, Listen, you want to hit the road, you hit the road, but you're not taking anything of mine with you you know, there's the door, you're, you're welcome to go, but you're not taking anything that belongs to me with you, acting like that. This father knew that sometimes there are some children who have to learn their lessons the hard way. And he understood that. And understanding that, he had patience with his son. And so he took and divided his possessions. And the Scripture says not many days after that the youngest son took everything the father had provided for him, and he set out on a journey. Patient father. We know that as the song sang, and as Aaron talked about just a few moments ago, that when the, the son decided it was time to get up and come back home, that the father saw him a long ways off, a patient father. He was waiting on his return. He was looking for his return, a patient father. We know as we continue in the story in just a moment, the elder son is outside and what's he doing? He's pouting. He's mad. He's upset. You're not treating me fair. He's judging the father. He's looking at him going, man, you've made some mistakes, dad. You're wrong. Patient father. Patient parent. Patiently working with his children, setting an example, being an example, helping them to understand and to see And to learn about life and being patient all the while. We never see him lose his temper. We never see him strike out at them in in anger or, or displeasure or dissatisfaction in any way. He was so patient with his children and so understanding in their life. And wanting to help them to grow and mature and understand what life is all about. Third thing this morning is this. He is a forgiving father. A forgiving father, his youngest son, after all that had happened, when he was headed home, he forgave him. Not only did he forgive him, he celebrated his return. He gave him a ring and a robe and sandals and killed the fatted calf, and he welcomed him back into the family. A father that said, listen, you've made your mistakes, you've done things in your past that you're, you're ashamed of and I'm not proud of. All of those things, but he said, I still love you, and you're still my son, and I forgive you, and you're welcome home. You're welcome back into the family. You're a part of us, and you belong with us. And so he was a very forgiving father. I think about this story. I think about the events that unfold between a father and his children. I think about the example that this father sets for us And there's something that's very interesting to me. If we finish reading down to the 32nd verse, Jesus does not conclude the story. never tells us what happened. Did the oldest son get over things and come on into the party and celebrate? Did the youngest son really join the family again and become a part of the father and the oldest son in their life? Or or did, did he remain as a servant? What happened with this family? What happened with his father and his two sons? I wonder why Jesus didn't finish the story. And the only answer I can come up with is because he's left the ending for you and I to write. He's left the ending for you and I to say this is what happens when you have a a model father who's a biblical father who, who prepares And provides for His family. Who is patient and understanding and helping them to grow. Who is forgiving when we fail and make mistakes. This is how the story ends. Maybe it's the story of your life. Maybe it's the story of your children's life. or, Or some other person that you know in your life. But He's giving us the freedom to write the end of the story the way that we see the story ending. developing. And then of course we have to understand as we look at the family dynamics that our story is written in relationship to the Heavenly Father. And that the Heavenly Father is this model Father. And He provides for every need of our life and that He's patient with us when we fail and when we fall short and when we make mistakes and sin in our life and that He is ever so forgiving of the sins of our past and the sins of our present and that He paid the price with His only Son in order that we might be saved. And so, in the same fashion, the end of the story is really up to you and I. The end of the story is whether we're going to accept that Heavenly Father, whether we're going to accept His provisions and accept His patience, receive His forgiveness Allow Him to be our Father so that we can follow Him and live forever and eternity so that we can be a part of His family. You see, the decision and how the end of the story happens is determined by us in the decisions that we make in our life. And so today as we look and we see an example of a biblical Father, a strong role model within God's Word, We see the story that unfolds, but the ending of the story is left for us. Left for us to decide, left for us to write, left for us to to conclude the final chapter. And so this morning we're going to offer an invitation hymn. And the invitation hymn is an opportunity for us to make decisions about that future. To make decisions about how we're going to write the end of this story for our life, for our family's life, and for our future. And so if there's a decision on your heart today, won't you come as we stand and we sing?